Today, you can open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, uh, I want to talk about quitting. Uh, quitting today. Quitting and going back. Quitting and going back. Um, and this is kind of the passage this morning and the encouragement to not quit and go back. Um, you, you think about uh, times in history. You could go to the, uh, the Old Testament and you see that God's people were in captivity in Egypt, and uh, God called them out of Egypt to uh, go uh, to the promised land. It's called the promised land because God promised it. Good name, huh? Uh, the promised land. And so the promised land, God had promised, and yet there were some years of walking and years of trials to get there. And one of the cries was over and over again, maybe we should quit this journey and just go back. It would be better if we just went back. You think about the history of our country, and uh, we know about the Mayflower and them coming uh, to uh, you know what we know as the United States. And there was this sense that the journey was too long, and some said, hey, let's quit and go back. Quit and go back. Uh, maybe for you here, uh, there's a personal story. Maybe as part of your family history, there was this idea that you've come from a different place, like South Africa or Germany or something like that. And uh, you've come here and this idea that says, maybe we should just quit and go back. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Uh, this morning, as we, there might be other things too. Uh, you know, I think about college. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if you felt that way, those of you who have went to college and uh, you got to that one course or that one semester, you, you're taking chemistry and a bunch of other hard classes, and you, you said, I, maybe I should just quit and go home, like right now, like today, like just abandon ship and go home, go back to what I know and what feels comfortable. And, and, and for some of you here today, uh, maybe it's your state in life right now, uh, your marriage or the raising of kids, and you're like, I, I just need to find the exit here. I just need to get out of here uh, because it's too hard. It's too hard. Uh, this morning, I hope that as we look to the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, that you will find courage, that you will find courage in Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. That's my hope this morning as we begin this new year. Uh, we're taking a step back. We're in a study of First Peter, but for this week and probably next week, uh, we're uh, going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10 and gaining some courage uh, from what we know of Jesus Christ and what He's done on our behalf. Uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you uh, from Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 19. God's word says this, therefore, brothers, since we have great confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to gain courage from it today that we would walk faithfully with you. We would not have our own ideas. We would not uh, make a U-turn and go back to that which we have uh, been saved from. Uh, God, do your work in us now. Thank you for your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we think about this passage this morning, uh, it, you're going to be asked questions in life of, is it worth it to follow after Christ? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to you? For your life right now, for what's going on in your life, for the days ahead, is it worth it to follow Christ? And as for some of you here this morning, it's part of your spiritual journey that you would be here this morning. Uh, What I mean by that is this, that you haven't uh, decided that it's worth it yet. You're you're checking it out. Uh, You've come from a, a, a background where maybe you've thought that you could work your way to heaven. You could be a good person, and you didn't need Jesus. I, I, I just be a good person, and I'll be enough uh, to get to heaven. Or maybe you say, it doesn't really matter what you do. You know, you could just do whatever you want, and we're all God's children, and He doesn't care. Uh, maybe you've come from these backgrounds, and you haven't understood the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are sinners, that we are sinners, guilty, guilty, guilty. I'm, that was just for a couple of you, but the rest, etc. Um, the rest of us, guilty. Uh, we are guilty uh, of, of what? Of sin, of offending God. And so uh, that needs to be taken care of. And that guilt makes us feel guilty. You know why? Because we're guilty. Uh, did you get the point? Uh, and this morning, as part of your spiritual journey, you're here going, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I hope this morning you'll see the riches of Jesus Christ and how you can't live without Him. That's my hope for you this morning. As we look at this passage, um, we're in the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews is a book, really, uh, there's a lot of, uh, it's an amazing book, very deep book, very uh, uh, connected to the Old Testament sacrificial system and how, uh, you know, speaking of Jesus, and there's so much in there. And uh, to summarize it with these two things about Jesus uh, is probably not doing it justice, but the, the two things that I want to bring up before we get into this passage this morning is, first of all, that Jesus is the sufficient sacrifice. Once for all, done, sufficient sacrifice. That it, So much of the Old Testament imagery of sacri- sacrificing was you bring them over and over and over again. There's this sense where it's never done. Uh, in fact, as you uh, would bring a sacrifice for your family for the sins that you'd committed, even as you walk away and you yell at your kid or you know, you're selfish in some way or proud or, or lustful, whatever, uh, it's like, oh, we've got to turn around and do it again because it's not sufficient. And so we see Jesus as the sufficient sacrifice. But not just the sa- sufficient sacrifice, we see Him as the great high priest, once and for all, that he would be the one that continues to stand 
to stand in between us and God and ministering on our behalf and being the way uh, that we can have constant and forever uh, intimacy with the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is now our great high priest. With that in mind, uh, we look to this passage this morning. um, And I'll tell you, it's one of my favorites. It's one of the things that I think we need more of. Uh, here at Bear Valley Church, to uh, both to think about the gospel, what, what Christ has done on our behalf, and then to flesh it out, flesh it out both in our intimate relationship with Him and our fellowship with one another, okay? And so that's where we're going this morning. Verse 19, we find a, a confident position because of Jesus. Now, confidence is a weird thing, right? Uh, um Confidence and overconfidence is a, a fine line, isn't it? A fine line. Uh, you see this in sports. Uh, I, I always think it's interesting. That different sports deal with it a different way. Um, you know, uh, I always like watching uh, soccer. Not not the whole game because they don't score enough for me. Uh, but I, I like watching the highlights where they score. And especially, you know, in these countries that live and die for soccer, they, they run around and, and you think that they, they just saved the whole country from imminent death, right? You just scored a goal, dude, and it's still two to one, all right, okay? Uh, uh, it's not the biggest thing in the world. Uh, it's interesting, you know, that uh, it, it's fun because you don't have to watch full games. Baseball is the same problem, right? You know, you can watch a big strikeout or a home run and you, you know, home run and then the, the batter flips a bat and he's got, you know, he's been practicing it, you know, at, at home and stuff like that in front of the mirror to make it look cool. And then everyone thinks, yeah, I did it. And he thinks he's, it's only one run, you know, <laughs> it's only one game. There's a lot of games in baseball, by the way. Um, and, and so there's this thing that we find ourselves to be awesome uh, in these temporary over, you know, I don't even talk about basketball. Basketball is the worst, the worst, right? They make one little play and they're like. <laughs> Overconfident. So they're not the greatest in the world. It's just for a moment, a second in time, they did a simple play. And yet we look at this, this passage this morning. It's the idea of being confident confident because of what Jesus has done. And this is a hard thing to imagine. Why? Well, um, it's because in reality, most of the time that we're confident, truly confident, we're faking it. We're faking it. We're, we're staying with simple things that we can do. We're, we're, we're looking at, we're keeping our life really small and so that we feel comfortable doing simple things that in some respects, we don't even acknowledge that God has given us the ability to do. How do we gain confidence? Well, confidence, the difficulty of confidence in our world today, and I'm not just talking about in your job or in your home or these other things. I'm talking about confidence before God. Um, you get this picture really throughout the book of, uh, the book of Hebrews, but in our passage this morning, uh, he says, confidence to enter the holy place. You, you need to get this picture. 
Uh, in the Old Testament, you had the, uh, the tabernacle and the temple, the, these places where God's spirit dwelled. Like the, it was the holy place, right? And this idea of being holy and that God's presence was there, that you felt and understood that he could see right through you. And when I say see right through you, it wasn't like his vision was such that, but it was that he could see into your inner person, that he could know who you are, not just who you portray yourself to be. It's not just who you want to be. It's who you are and the things that you have done. I I think that uh, when we talk... Even saying the word guilty, some of you went into the, you know, I wish I could, you could see your face. Oh, yeah. Ah, pastor's talking to me again. He knows I'm guilty. You know, the, the idea that God knows everything that we have done. He's been at every scene. He's understood every thought. He has the capacity to remember. And you're like, oh, no. If he has the capacity to remember, if he was at every scene, if he knows every thought, I'm in trouble. And the idea of walking into his presence is the last thing that I want to do. Because I want to run, even as Adam did in the garden when he knew that he was guilty. They were hiding. How do you hide from God, by the way? When he knows every place, he knows where you are. Uh, as we think about this, maybe you're guilty here. Maybe you feel guilty this morning. For the things you've done, the things you've watched, the things on your computer, the things in your heart, the things you've said to your wife or your husband or your children, the scenes that have not gone so well. And you want to erase them, but you, you remember them. And if you remember them, certainly God remembers. And so this morning, it's, <laughs> this is so amazing that uh, I, I've set up why you shouldn't have confidence. But my first point this morning is this. It's our confident position because of Jesus. Confident position. He starts out uh, this verse, therefore brothers, therefore brothers. Um, and I don't want to make a big deal out of this because I think it's just an address and it's said over and over and over and over uh, in the New Testament, especially brothers, but that should shock you. That should shock you. Why? Because of what Jesus has done, we are now in a family relationship with God and with one another. He's chosen you to be a part of his family. He's brought you in. And it's not the difference between changing families. It's the, it's the difference between being an orphan out there with no family left to yourself to now being part of the family of God. And, and you think about that and you say, well, why is that such a big deal? Um, it's because of God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your weaknesses, your sins. He knows it all. And he says, yes, that's the one I want in my family. That's the one I want to connect with uh, my people, my people, and make them brothers and sisters. And I just want to say, we are family. We are family. And that should never come to you as something common. Uh, It should shock you every day that God has let you into his family. It should shock you. Some of you are going, I don't know about that. Yes, it should. Because he's chosen you to be a part of what he is doing. 
We're a family. So there's the guilty people have no confidence in and of themselves. But now, because of what Jesus has done, we have a confident position. We are his family. Secondly, uh, we have this confident intimacy that was opened with the Father because of Jesus. Look, look at verse 19 as it goes on. He says, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, that His blood was spilled so that we would be clean, but now we claim that as our confidence as we uh, look to intimacy, to being um, being with Him forever. And this is the basis, really, of life for us, our, our family relationship, and we have this con- confident intimacy uh, with the Father because of Jesus. His blood was spilled. Um, and that word confident is so hard for us to put together with reality, or at least our reality, is that uh, how do you have confidence when you've lost? How, how do you have confidence when you're guilty? How do you have confidence when you're a failure? Uh, feel like a loser? You came up short. How do you have confidence? I want to tell you, there has to be something done on your behalf. And what was it? The blood of Jesus was spilled for you. We're going to celebrate that here today. That we have confidence, not because of the things that we have failed and guilty for, but because of what Jesus did for us. His spilled blood on our behalf. It says this, that we have confidence to do what? Uh, To enter the holy places. Uh, you, you can picture yourself, and in the Old Testament, the, the high priest would only go in once a year to the special place, the, the presence of God, because it was a fearful thing, and there were all these provisions and all this preparation and fear involved, because, oh, oh no, how do you get, what if God's mad at us, and He should be, because of what we have done, how do we do this? And He pictures for us here that we, uh, not priests, not people that are uh, the one, the, the priest over Israel, the one, that the top one, the only one that goes in. But he says, you and I, you and I, that we would have confidence to enter these holy places by the blood of Jesus. I want to tell you, um, if you're looking for uh, confident living, not, you know, it, it is everything, but it's mainly spiritually that sets up for us the rest of life. If you're looking... Are you right with God? Can you enter into a relationship with Him? Can you speak to Him? If there was a a temple here today, could you walk in and you'd say, you can confidently say, yes, I can. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did on my behalf. His blood spilled for me. That's where confidence comes in. It was a fearful thing to enter the presence of God. But because of what Christ has done, we can do this confidently. He goes on to say in verse uh, 20, uh, he says, By a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. The new and living way, I want to circle that for you, new and living way. He's uh, pointing back to the Old Testament system and he says, it's not like that one. It's a new system. It's got some similarities, but it's a new and living way. New and living way. 
that he has done on our behalf. It's his flesh given up for us in Luke chapter 23, verse 44. We get this picture while Jesus was on the cross uh, and dying. Uh, we, we get this picture in Luke 23, verse 44. It says this, It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Well, the sun's light uh, failed, and it says this, And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. What you get here is as Jesus was dying, as part of his death, the, the curtain that separated the presence of God with the people of God was torn in two. It was separated. It was once and for all taken care of because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because of what he has done. We look at this and we realize that his body uh, hung on a cross. He took care of that which we could not take care of. This, and uh, remove that separation. And then, uh, so, so we have this family relationship. We have this confident in, intimacy. But now, even uh, more than that. We have, uh, you look down at verse 21 and it says this, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Get this picture. This is so great. So we have brothers. We have this family relationship. Secondly, we have that Jesus' blood was spilled that it would be open relationship. We could have an open, uh, we, we, we have access to God. We have access to God. And then lastly, lastly, we, he shares with us, that we now have this different kind of priest, this great priest. And what's the difference between this one? It's continual. It's continual. That this priest, this great priest, uh, replaced all others before him. He replaced them. And because of Jesus, we have access to the Father through him. He now stands as our great high priest. He is the one that will continually give us access by what he has done in his blood and his body. Uh, we, we realize this, that, um, that this access to the house of God is not just a, a, a one-time thing. It's not that that curtain was torn for a moment. It's that he took care of it and gave us access. But remember this, that it is continual access for eternity. For eternity, we are right with God. Now, that right there is the basis. It's the basis for living, for confident living. You, you know, that doesn't mean everything's going to be right. That's not, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way. There's going to be plenty of things that don't go your way down here in this life. And some of you are saying, I got a, I got a list a mile long. I do too. Maybe we could share a list tomorrow. I could sit down and go through a list of things that aren't going right. What this means at the most important place in your life, your relationship with Him, there's confidence. It's set up. It's good. It's good between me and God. Not because I have been good, but because Jesus poured his blood that I might have access to him, that that old sacrificial system that uh, gave a picture of what needed to happen was now fulfilled in the sufficient sacrifice of Jesus. But not just that, it was fulfilled 
but that now he stands as our great high priest, forever being that for us between the Father. We look at this and we go, so because of that new and living way, because of what Christ has done, we do have confidence. And so now we can live differently, live differently. And I want to encourage you about this, that if you don't feel like you can live differently, go back. Go back to verse 19 and work through this again. There's no richer position than to be forgiven by Jesus, to be made right by what he has done. Uh, we, we go to verse 22 and we see that, that we now have some new living priorities. And I hope these are yours uh, as we begin the new year, as we think about our role in the church. Uh, I want to tell you that you have a role here. You have a role. You have a role to fulfill. We may not give you a badge. We may not give you a badge and you know a, a name tag and a huge title or anything like that. Uh, chief bottle washer or anything like that. But uh, the, the role of the church is that we would live together in, in health and encouragement. And to do so, we have these three priorities that we see here. Uh, and, and these are built upon being confident in our relationship with the Lord. It's not that we do these things. We can do them. We, we can do them, just gut it out uh, on our own. No, it's because of what Christ has done for us. The first one is this, just to draw near. Verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart. Uh, draw near to God. That, that we now, because of what Christ has done, we are not running away from God. We are drawing to Him. We are drawing near to Him. We are, are, are seeking to know Him, seeking relationship. I know that, that that's a change. That's a definite change. And I want to tell you, this is the change. Some of you might think, you go, oh, it just seems too hard and foreign. I'm, you know, I'm older and like I've done things wrong for a very long time and I don't know how to do this. I want to tell you, seek that which God has given you. Don't go back to the things that you used to do. That, that's the picture here this morning is that we are to... Uh, pursue that which God has saved us for because Christ is enough and because he is this great high priest we have these riches that we should pursue them we should not go back to the old ideas first one draw near draw near to God that our heart um, these words true heart and full assurance of faith give this picture that now it's on the basis not of your smooth talking not of your manipulation not of your faking it anymore, but it's this idea that you come to God bare before Him. That He knows you and all that you are. And you say, I still come. Why? On the basis of Jesus. I draw near to God. I want to encourage you that as you look at your life and as you think about what you should be doing and not doing, uh, just make sure your schedule is filled. Filled with great things that are you drawing near to God. You drawing near to God. Um, on the backdrop of all this, I'm thinking about our lives and, and what we think we need in our life right now. What do you think you need? You think, I need more me time. No, you don't. In fact, uh, that's when we've gotten into trouble more than not, right? It's all the me time, right? It's thinking about me and what I need. 
Is you need more God time. You need more drawing near to Him. It's not that you would look awesome. It's that you would understand the riches that you have in relationship with Him. You draw near to Him. You think about that, and, and as you think about your schedule and what you're doing and what you're reading and how you're talking and what you're listening to and what you're watching, draw near to God. And this is on the basis of faith. You see that in verse 22, a full assurance of faith. This is not on the basis of our works, but understanding the gospel, what we've already looked at, it's in faith that God will continue to work in you. And he says these two things. He says, uh, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Um, you think about it, having a clean conscience. Boy, that's great, isn't it? It's great. How can I have a clean conscience when I have an evil conscience, right? When I've done some things and I'm burdened and guilty, how do I do that? Well, once again, it's by the blood of Jesus. It's based on what he has done. Uh, he talks about our really our inner man, but he also talks about and our bodies washed with pure water. Maybe those uh, you think about the things that you have done with your body, right? The places you've been. How do you be clean when you were dirty? Well, it's simple. Trust in the work of Christ, what He has done, because the work of insert your own name didn't work. Guilty dirty. And how do you become clean? It's because of Jesus. So first, draw near. Secondly, hold fast. And these two could be combined together uh, because it says, let us hold fast uh, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. It's kind of like you make the decision to draw near to God. I'm in relationship with him. And then he says, stay there, stay there, hold fast. I know all of you know the, um, you, you know, you, you, you've been people who have guessed on multiple choice tests. You know who you are. And study as much as you didn't know the material as well as you thought you would. And you got to those and, and you, you, you thought it was B, but you've had a few B's in a row already, right? And you said, maybe I should change my answer. Maybe I, maybe, you know, I, I feel like it's B and you bubble it in B, but you say, no, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. That's my answer, but no, I'm going to change it. I want to tell you, this is the picture. This is the pressure of life. It's not that, uh, think about this often, that like a lot of times we can make great confessions and professions in, in the midst of God's people. We have these mountaintop experiences that are important and good and, and, and profitable and markers where God has taught us great things, but it's the days after that will be difficult. And the, and, and the questions of maybe we should quit and go back. Maybe we should quit and go back. And I just want to tell you, uh, we have this drawing near relationship with God, and then we hold fast, hold fast. Why? Did you see there's a why in there? I look down at the scriptures. Uh, why should we not? Uh, so basically, if you don't hold fast, you're, you're taking the right answer, the right answer that's good and, and, and for you, and you're trading it. You're trading down to something inferior, and inferior is being generous, right? Faulty, useless. Why should we hold fast? For he who promised is faithful. He promised is faithful. That's why you should love the promises of the Scripture. 
when God tells that he's going to be with you, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, you'd say, okay, that's good. I wouldn't believe it if I said it. I, I wouldn't believe it. Like, you shouldn't believe it if I said it. Because there will come a day where I will be unfaithful to you. But God has promised his faith, faithfulness to you. And you can trust him. And you should trust him. And you should hold fast to him. And then lastly, uh, Jesus says, draw near, hold fast. You have strengthening others. Strengthening others. And I'm going to breeze through this real briefly. And then we're going to pick up here uh, this next week. Strengthening others. I want to point out something. Those first two things, drawing near and holding fast, those are you-centered. Those are you-centered. Those are your problems. Those are your relationship with God. You privately, uh, before Him, have this unique relationship where you are called to draw near to Him and then you are called to hold fast to Him. Okay, This is what it is to know Jesus. Drawing near and holding fast. The third point here is this. has nothing to do with you other than you are the one doing it. You're the one doing it. And you are called to strengthen others. I want to tell you, it's very important for us to remember that being part of God's family means you have brothers and sisters. And some of you know what that is like, right? You had brothers and sisters. And so there's always this pushing and shoving. And how do we work together as a family? How do we share rooms and bathrooms and food and chores? How do we do this? And you know what it is to be a bad brother or a bad sister too, right? To not pull your weight, to not be fun to be around, not, not be a we, we realize that. And so we realize there's individual things in, to being part of the family of God, but there's also critical critical things about being part of the family of God, the fellowship of God's people. Uh, I'll go through it briefly, and like I said, we'll, we'll come up to this next week as well. This personal uh, two things move to the others, a part of the church, our, our new life for others. And he says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Stir up one another to love and good works. The word stir up, um, different translations translate, it's to agitate, agitate. And some of you are going, sweet, I can do that well. God's blessed me with the spirit of agitation. It's not just agitating. It's not just agitating, but it's agitating to something. That your life is meant to point others to do something. What is it? Love and good works. And you can tell if you're doing a good job if others are loving more, loving as God would want them to, and serving more, doing good, more good works because they've been around you. Think about that. That your life is meant to enrich others. It's meant to enrich it. It's meant to motivate them. It's, it's meant to get them going on a spiritual path where God could use them. That's what your life is meant for. Stir up to love and good works. It says something very interesting, and maybe it seems even out of place. Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. And then he goes back to encouraging, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What, what do you think meeting has to do with encouraging uh, I, I want to tell you that everybody has 24 hours in a day. 
Everybody. Uh, you, you can spend it however you want. Sort of. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you can make a schedule and try and you decide and waste. and We're, we're going to do whatever. 24 hours. And most of the time, we decide on what we're going to do and what we're not going to do based on what we want to do. Why? Because I want to. I don't want to. Uh, somebody asks you, hey, can we have dinner? Can we have dinner? You think to yourself, hmm, do I want to have dinner? What are we having? What are we having? Uh, where's it going to be? What time? Uh, who's going to be there? You know, how long do I have to stay? Uh, you know, you're, you're thinking through why, right? Uh, somebody says, uh, you know, uh, hey, uh, we want you to take this job. How much money do I make? Uh, what are the hours? Night shift. Nope, I sleep at night. Uh, you, you think about it and you're thinking, why? I'm doing this because of what I want. What I want. I want to tell you that God did not save you just for what you want. He wanted to fix you. He wanted to fix you, your biggest problem. He wanted to fix it. And give you new life through a new and living way. And and set you on a course that you could have a relationship with Him. But not just there. Not just for yourself. He wanted you and I to take our our roles within our lives, both in our family and in our church, that we would be an encouragement. And guess what? Meeting together, being together, is part of that deal. And it's going to inconvenience you. Some of you, some of you, were very inconvenienced this morning getting here. You stayed up too late, or you had too many things going on, or you're not feeling well, and you dragged, drugged, whatever you needed to do, yourself to church this morning, right? And 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 why? You say, well, I wanted something. No, it's not just that you wanted something. I hope that you came that you could give something, because these people around you. Our, our, our job to spur them on. He, he goes on, he says, meeting together. And then the second thing he says, he re, really kind of reiterates the first. Uh, he says, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. What's your role here this morning? Encourage one another. Uh, I almost said something. I, I don't want you to raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. How many of you are discouraged this morning? Don't raise your hand, okay? We're just supposed to smile and dress pretty, okay? Sunday morning. Uh, you know what? I, if you'd be honest, if you'd be honest, if you'd consider your life, I think most of you would say there's things that are super discouraging in your life right now. Things that you wish were different. Temptations to quit and go back to some other way. And I want to tell you this morning that if we want a great church, we want to be a part of something great that God is doing, let's figure it out. Let's figure out how to encourage each other because this is what he's called us to do. Uh, I'm going to go over this next week, but I, I just I want to point this in here. Uh, how much should we encourage one another? A lot. But if you look at that passage, it says, as we see the day drawing near, how much should we encourage each other next week more than we did this week? It's more necessary as time goes on. 
that in mind, uh, let's talk about this next week. God, thank you for your word, uh, the clarity that you describe to us, the riches that you've given us and what you've done for us in Jesus. And God, I pray that we would not take that lightly, that we would not see our lives as man-made, either us or others, but that we would see our lives as transformed in uh, the most significant of ways because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. God, help us to see clearly this and then live in light of it, that we would not uh, go on our own way making our own life, but that we would draw near to you, that we would hold fast, and then we would strengthen one, one another through encouraging and stirring one another up, being together. God, thank you uh, for your church. Help us to celebrate uh, the table now. In Jesus' name, amen.